Welcome to Talk About Town, a podcast about real estate and some other stuff. And now, your hosts, Mal and Neil. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to episode 11 of Talk About Town. Feels good to be back. Yes, we are really (laughs) glad to be back. We had a little bit of delay with uh, between episodes 10 and 11 yeah. um life gets in the way sometimes life happens man that's why i said uh you roll with it so the unforeseen events happen you know what it do push us back a week week and a half and for all of our loyal listeners uh we appreciate it. your patience appreciate yes your patience. so definitely yeah so things have been uh different in the world of real estate here lately uh numbers wise um i know you had talked to some people that are are slow too i've been i've been uh, slammed here lately which is a good thing nice and if you uh there was one number that absolutely pops off the page right here if you look at june 2018 to june 2019 Bullet County houses sold. We are up almost forty percent. And they're usually way down. Way down. They're usually <laughs> minus twenty, minus thirty. For those that are keeping, this is the uh, we didn't even say this is like our month to they, they do the year to date, month to date, all that good stuff. We I feel like we just did on our last show was the May breakdown, but this is the June breakdown where we can compare our. MLS and the what is it the three surrounding counties so Jefferson, Oldham and Bullet so that's where these numbers come from sorry I just so everybody I, wasn't it our last show we yeah we, we, we it was day? down then and we we were yeah. kind of we were kind of begging Bullet County we were saying oh man when you hear somebody wants to live there you right. think uh oh because right. it's either going to be hard to find something or you're going to be paying a premium because there's yep. just nothing available and now here we've got. Uh, up 40 percent and houses sold june year over year so thank you bullet county yeah and so. if you if you look at everybody else now that i said i'm looking at them right now for the first time uh i think everybody else is down except for bullet county yep uh every single autumn autumn's usually up autumn's down jefferson's down everybody's down when you get to bullet county and it's up good lord 40 yeah. percent so i actually just this week uh, got a house under contract in bullet county so i'm part of it nice yeah um, well hopefully uh, i don't know you obviously can't keep 40 percent sustainable every month but uh no, hopefully you, that, you that increase stays i've got i'm showing a really cool bullet county property tonight so let's let's pump those numbers are you nice. yep i should be that's what i want to listen to this morning for bullet county but it won't be uh, two, I mean, it's two months, maybe, maybe three months out if I'm lucky. So it, it's going to be a little bit, but uh, right. I'll be feeding into like the November numbers or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. They, all right, let's see. So Jefferson or the whole MLS, it's almost, I mean, it says it's down one, what is it? 1.6%. But I mean, yeah, this is just for the month of June, 1737 to 1709. So I mean, you're talking, 28 houses. Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, and so it was, I mean, Jefferson as a whole, I mean, it's down a few, but, uh, and Oldham, what is it? That's down almost 11%, so that's decent. But, uh, 
And yeah, they, they there are further numbers too that that you know uh, just on a podcast it it's hard to get into like showing someone a graph um, because obviously you can't see what we're looking at but um, there are price points that have differences as well um, you know when you're if you're below two hundred thousand um, trying to buy that is that's a definite seller's market right now but when the higher you get in price. Uh, it gets a little more buyer friendly. Well, and that's what balances out the numbers. Like when you right. see average days on market, whenever you look at different times of the year, 42, 50, like all these different numbers, that's, that's because all those larger price points are bringing that down. If, right. if a house is listed at 150 and it's nice, that average days on market's about zero, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe one. Maybe <laughs> so, one. so, uh, that's a weird number when people, man, I wouldn't think the numbers are that high. They're not for for the for most of us now uh when you start talking half a million dollar home they're not their bidding wars aren't breaking out for houses like that uh that'd be nice right. like but no they uh, sell but they there there's a a smaller number of buyers that are looking for a house like that so it takes a little right. longer to find them yeah it balances itself out um so we could me and you like we've talked about this before we can talk about numbers and for us, all of this is extremely important. Like we, and I guess we talked about it too. If you're looking to sell, these numbers are pretty important. Um, if you're looking to buy, if I hear that I've been looking at Bullet County and those numbers are going up, I would think that means more houses might be coming on the market and they're they're out there buying them up. So that yeah. would be a, and a and your your the premium <clears throat> that you'll pay may come down a little bit too. In fact, I experienced that uh, really? this week. Yeah, we um, got a client, and we made an offer on a house. We used an escalation rider saying, hey, we'll beat another bidder by X amount. And it was a pretty aggressive one. Well, we came in third place. So we found another house. It's a really good house. And we said, okay, here's our offer, plus here is an escalation rider. And it was very aggressive what we said we would pay. And we were like, man... If anybody pays more than this, good luck to them. They can have it. Yeah. Well, it didn't even come into play. It didn't come into play. I've heard of agents writing them when there aren't even multiple offers, just in that case, in case one slips in or something, just to have yeah. it in place. That's what we did. We didn't know, and I think they waited to answer us to see if they were going to get another yep. offer so they could bump us up a little bit. That's a tactic. But they didn't, and we, we got it for just our – our offer and they're getting it at a good price and it's a good house. So it's win for everybody. Well, what's crazy is when this all started, you know, a few years back, I remember, uh, attorneys coming to teaching like continuing ed classes and stuff. And they, and they were just talking about people were beginning to use escalation riders again. Like, you know, oh, I saw one the other day or yeah, I heard somebody use one in the office the other day or whatever. And now everybody's using them. Like I just said, even if, even if the listing agent says, well, no, I'm not really expecting another offer right now. People are still attaching them to them. Like just yeah. like, here's one, just in case one slides in tonight and we don't know about it. Like that's what, that's, what's crazy about this market right now is it's having people put escalation riders on offers that aren't even competing yet, but just in yep. case, just to uh, make sure, just throw your elbows out there and keep everybody off. It's crazy. Um, yeah. 
all right well there's there's a few minutes like you know i love it when we get these year to day month to or month to month comparisons because you can see what we were up against last year because last year was well it was just like this year really but um but so there's the numbers what uh what else do we have going on we have a we are doing or for starters you and i are doing remote podcasts so this is all this is our second time doing this so um yeah, we did part of one remotely before. That's this right. is the first time we are not in the same room. Yeah, doing we're in the same podcast. county. No, nope, but miles that way. Uh, thanks to technology, we can see each other, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm liking this. So, uh, but we're getting ready to do the exact same thing we're doing here, except for a little bit further northeast of here, uh, in New York City. So our guest, uh, won't you just tell everybody how this evening, okay, so, how, how we got to so, where we are today? Well, I put out a call looking for guests um, that would be that would be interesting for our podcast, and a friend of mine has a relative who lives in New York City, and he is a developer, and he is a professor at New York University, nice. and. Um, and yeah, at, and he teaches um, fundamentals of real estate development and investing and all kinds of stuff. Pri- negotiations, public and private investments, subsidies, nice. um, fundamentals of private investment into projects that serve a public good. So uh, I feel like he has a heart to serve, to help, and to make some good choices for the bigger city. All right. Well, um, Without further ado, here's the here's our uh, remote podcast from our remote podcast with him. Yep. Okay, joining us on Talk About Town today, we've got Gerard Delane. And this guy is from New York City. Say hi, Gerard. Hello, hello, hello. So, Thanks for coming on. Yeah, we appreciate having you, having you on here. Um, I think uh, everyone's dealing with the heat right now is the overwhelming consensus. For sure. It's what are you all up there? It's supposed to hit 100 degrees today in New York City. Yeah. Oh, my God. Here, too. Same. Uh, my wife and I went to the farmer's market a little bit ago. Did you? Came home. Yeah, back of my shirt was soaked. Yeah, it's brutal. Oh, man. My my air conditioning system is working at maximum capacity right now. Same. <laughs> that's that's when you have to invest in electricity and then dump it all after the the temperature goes back down. Yes. <laughs> Make it exactly. killing. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So, Gerard, we're having on the podcast. He a friend of mine is a cousin of Gerard's, and he he introduced us, and he thought he would make an interesting guest because. He works as a real estate developer, an investor, and teaches the same at New York University. So he's probably forgotten more about real estate than you and I know together. So it's a great source of information. So he he can teach us both something, I'm sure, for sure. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking, for sure. So what we like to do just to kind of give us and the people listening uh, an introduction to our guests, we run through what we call the six-pack of questions. The six-pack. Let's crack open a six-pack. Yeah. <laughs> so the first one is just what's your hometown? 
hometowns. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. There you go. Uh, so I was born in this very little town in Mississippi called Meridian, Mississippi. Cool. How far uh, is that from anything? <laughs> <laughs> so the state capital, which is Jackson, Mississippi, which is pretty much in the center of the state. Um, and Meridian's about an hour and a half. Uh, east of that, so it's near the Alabama Mississippi line. Okay, uh, about midway through the state. All right, cool. So I was um, born there. Uh, my dad's from Alabama. My mom's from Mississippi. So my dad grew up in this little town, um, just on the other side of the Alabama Mississippi line um, in West Alabama. So, nice house divided when it comes to football, but. It's just true. He's a very, very big Alabama fan. Well, that, all right. That leads into our second question. So our next, our next question. It's more regional. It's cats or cards because that's you know our state. Okay. Cats or cards. But what's your? Uh, if I'm sure, unless you're a cats or cards fan, but chance. I am not a cat. <laughs> who, who do who do you pull for then? In college football. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so, grew up uh, in South Florida. So my parents moved to Florida when I was very, very young as a baby. Uh, so I grew up loving the Miami Hurricane. The U, that's what I figured. That's the U. So I'm still, that's what I grew up loving. So I'm still a Hurricanes fan no matter where I live. Okay. Um, so my dad is still an Alabama fan and my little brother went to Florida State University. Oh, so man. it is a house divided. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, um, our connection there is that I'm a Colts fan and Reggie Wayne is an all-time favorite at uh, at our great. house. In He's fact, great. I don't know if you can see it, that is a Reggie Wayne bobblehead right there behind me. Nice. <laughs> nice. There you. Yep. There you. All right. Well, uh, okay, so second, uh, third question. Favorite food? French fries. All right. That's Can't simple go wrong enough. There. All right. What about your favorite restaurant? Huh. Favorite restaurant? That's a very good question. You know, this is a terrible answer. People are going to hate me for saying this, but <laughs> go for I got to say McDonald's, man. Really? No is, that matter where where, is that where your no, fries come from? <laughs> no matter where I go on the planet, there's a McDonald's somewhere. And they got and your french fries. Ex- <laughs> and I know exactly what those french fries are going to taste like. You this can't is go, true. You can't go I know exactly that. what that double cheeseburger is going to taste like. No matter where <laughs> I'm on the planet, that Coca-Cola is going to taste exactly the same. That's I actually smart like the, cons- the consistency of the taste, no matter where I am. So, yeah, like I just came from Europe. Everybody knows the McDonald's Cokes are crispier than... Yeah, they got their own special little recipe of how yeah. they cheat the soda or whatever. They taste but, like, good. I just came back from Europe, and, like, yeah, like, I, I experimented with some restaurants and some different foods, but it was like, you know what? Yeah, my taste buds, like, you know what? I just want something that just comforts me right now. I just want to get a burger, a fry, and a soda, and just kind of, you know, chill. So the comfort of McDonald's, consistent taste anywhere. And in America, almost all of them are 24 hours a day. So it's like, no matter what time of day it is, it's available. Yep. Yep. So I guess that is my favorite, I guess. All right. Nice. Uh, favorite vacation spot? Favorite vacation spot. Uh, Miami. Okay. Hometown. All right. Nice. Home, yeah. All right. And the last 
the last question here if you have free time because a lot of times we get what is free time but on your with your free time if you have any what do you like to do with your free time you golf you you, you know what anything when i'm not doing something somewhat work related right i'm always working all right uh i like to go to the gym i like to exercise and then usually when i go to the gym i'm listening to music yeah so i like that kind of like release that i'm not thinking stressing about work or bills or something important it's just like me time and and it's a healthy way to spend it i like that and it's healthy way to spend and generally when you go to the gym you're probably going to eat a little better that day this is true maybe (laughs) (laughs) maybe. (laughs) so yeah cool well thanks for uh subjecting yourself to our our six pack of questions um the main thing um, in the body of the podcast that we've been talking about, and I think you guys are dealing with that, it seems to be a national trend, is this inventory crisis, especially centered around affordable homes. Correct. Correct. So are you guys in New York dealing with that as much as we are, or maybe even to a degree worse? So New York, you know, if you guys don't know, is in the midst of what they call a housing crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're desperate to try to create and keep housing affordable. So two separate problems, creating it. Land is expensive. The construction is incredibly expensive. um, And getting access to capital is, you know, tough. So the city is struggling with how to create more housing. How can we get developers and builders to make more of it and at a price that people can afford? You know, and by people, I mean, like, on the average, like, school teacher, cop, fireman, nurse, right? Just the average, I graduated from high school, I graduated from college, you know, I'm going to work somewhere and I'm going to raise myself and my family. Um, Currently, if the market did it by itself, it's not affordable. Hmm. Well, so... And and we're probably talking, we're not talking equal dollars here. Like, I'd say in our region... You know, $150,000 is going to get you a nice starter home. I'm thinking with you guys. Nothing. (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) So what's a starter home? You know, three-bedroom, one or two-bath, something cost around. So I'll say I think right now in the Bronx and maybe the back of Brooklyn, probably the cheapest condo you could buy is probably – a two bed for like two hundred thousand. Okay, and that's um, that's a and that's, pretty small footprint too. I bet that's cheap and far. Yeah, <laughs> um, I say on the island of Manhattan, uh, without like some special government support, you probably can't buy a condo for less than three or four hundred thousand dollars. Wow, without some you, special government support. Is that what you sell a lot of those condos? I mean, the average starts at around a million. Wow. That's like the average. It starts at like a million. Hmm. So what's odd about New York, though, which is, and I was talking to some friends about this the other day, New York is this very odd situation in America that it's one of those worldwide cities. Mm -hmm. So you got New York, London, Maybe L.A., San Francisco, Paris, Tokyo. You got these cities that is these cores that people come to from all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. So New York has income and investment from around the planet 
Right. It doesn't rely on American jobs. It doesn't rely on those school teachers, cops, firemen, nurses. Outs- outside dollars are a big influence. Yeah, the outside dollars actually skew the market. Really? Wow. We don't have we, to deal with that. That's, that's what I'm saying. A lot of American cities don't necessarily have that problem. Yeah, so New York has this problem. How do we create affordable housing in the midst of money from all over the planet that's knocking on the door? And do so, we turn that money away? I was going to say, right. you can't turn away that money. So That's what I'm saying. So there's this, like when um, like a big thing that happened with this new federal administration is that they made investors who invested internationally start reporting who was inside of the LLC. Because before that, there's a lot of international investment that you would just put it in an LLC and then you didn't have to report no who the actual asked. investor was. Right. Kind of a no questions asked. And if you're the city of New York or the state of New York, you know, that's real estate tax money. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like unspoken thing of like, yeah, it's this little loophole that pretty much any millionaire, billionaire on the planet can kind of sort of take advantage of. And yeah, we get revenue from it because we're getting economic activity. Hmm. So New York has this weird thing that that's happening at the same time that we got a lot of problems a lot of other American cities have, which is, yeah, that school teacher is getting priced out. Right. That's what I always wonder. How do we interject as a city to keep it balanced? Right. And uh, you actually gave a talk recently, I think, about something like that. Is that true? Yeah, I gave a affordable housing uh, speech at uh, Syracuse University. Yeah, and I saw a really cool... Uh, building um, was it in Harlem that had just gone up recently for like low income? Yeah, it was pretty cool. So the the other young lady who was on the panel, um, she developed the affordable housing building in Harlem, and uh, obviously used a lot of government support and subsidies and grants and, and donations. But it was designed by you know a superstar architect to create this very special building. Um, it had uh, a kids' museum on the first floor, uh, a pre-K, um, and then affordable housing up above. And it was uh, not just affordable housing, but actually deep-skewed affordable housing. So folks who make 10000 20000 30000 a year could get an apartment in Manhattan. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So very cool, very creative, because, you know, a lot of affordable housing, as we know in America, has pretty ugly buildings. Yeah. It does. Um, they try to put in the minimal costs, uh, you know, the minimal construction, just to give somebody somewhere to stay, and they should just be happy about it. Right. Um, well, she did a different approach. Like, no, let's let's make something special that people can be proud of. Yeah. Um, Address quality of life along with a roof. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. I like investment in the area of w- whether your area is Kentucky or New York. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, not just the wealthy of us should enjoy a good quality of life. Right. I agree with that. I think there's a um, there's some developments on sort of more the outskirts of Louisville right now mm-hmm. that are dealing with, you know, they've they have tried to make a community feel that has um, multi-use buildings and things like that. But then they're they're fighting about bringing in affordable housing and you know not in my backyard for some people but some people are saying yes we need to do this 
So right. I think that's a, an interesting debate all over. Yes. Yeah. That's, again, it's a it's an ongoing debate about, from the government standpoint, should we get involved? Should we impose the will of community evolution? Hmm. So, I mean, that's what city planners get paid to do and economic right. development directors, they get paid to figure that out. Where should our communities grow? Where should there be expansion? Where should there be tax dollars invested? Right. Louisville's gone through a lot of that recently. There's been a lot of investment in our city center, city center, center. recently in the past uh, decade or two. Yep. You know, we had we had big industrial areas right on the riverbank of the Ohio, right. and, and they completely transformed that. Uh, right. The whole um, Nulu area, which was just, uh, you know, hollow facades of stuff is this lively, awesome place now with cool restaurants and shops and places to live. Right. And people are definitely liking that. And it's getting people, you know, for when I was a kid, downtown was a place that you just visited during the day and to go see the ladies there. at your dad's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And now it's a, it's a, it's a pretty bustling little center. It's cool. A funny thing, funny story. When I was an undergrad, I was an undergrad from uh, 1999 to 2003. And I was going to Florida a and School of Architecture in Tallahassee. And we did a class trip to Birmingham, Alabama. So we drove up to Birmingham. We're there downtown. And there's this train track that, that cuts through the, mid- the middle of town. And our professor takes us out there. Um, and uh, it's downtown, right? Like many downtowns. And it was just, it was a Saturday, it was desolate, like nobody was there. And he was like, they're going to redevelop this area. And we're all looking at him like, this guy is crazy. Like, this is a no man's land. There's like a vacant factory over here, and vacant buildings over there. What are you talking about? Like, nobody wants to be downtown. He was like, no, they're going to reinvest this and they're going to develop this. And that guy was 100% right. Damn. Is that, you know, we you know, within like the next 10 years have really, really, really made a big push toward reinvigorating city cores mm-hmm. everywhere. So you see the same thing in Atlanta, Louisville, Nashville, uh, that area of Birmingham, yeah. uh, Miami's doing it in a big way, DC, New York, they're all going through the same thing. Is there's this shift that, you know, young people want to live in city cores. Right. Yep. Um, they want to ride a bike or walk to work. They want to go to the market on Saturday and go to an open market somewhere. Yeah, I Versus, think a lot of young people are starting to to not be as interested in those suburbs and, yeah. and want more of that urban, you know, uh, yep. interconnectedness, I think. Yep, yep. There's a generational shift versus our parents and their parents. They wanted to live out far. They wanted to be in a big, large, gated community with a big house with a very big vehicle to carry all your kids around. Right, um, it's that now. Yeah, younger people are like, no, I'll live closer and like maybe I'll take an Uber. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and maybe I, and I, maybe I'll order my food from Seamless. And right. Just minimizing their footprint. I think there's some some stuff where like, you know, people get so engaged in their phone with their mm-hmm. online stuff and all that and they're like, you know, I want something I can touch and feel and be be real and, and right. interact with people that right. people are missing that sometimes. True. Technology definitely can isolate you, for sure. It can. I mean, obviously, we we use technology a lot. We're here interviewing someone 
<laughs> in New York City from Kentucky and able to see you, talk to you, all this right. stuff. It's great. And as as real estate agents and everything, we use it a lot. But I think yeah. a lot about like trying to have real meaningful interactions with people and not just being, you know, glued to my phone. It's easy to, to right. your kids are playing and okay, I'm just going to play with my phone. Like, right. Enough. Luckily we're in a field that's pretty social. Yes. Um, that we 100%. have to go meet people, talk to people, negotiate with school. People. Yeah. We have to, like that's the way our field is kind of set up. Yep. Um, but you know, the, the world is trending toward technology. So hopefully we can figure out, you know, how to use this tool to make our lives better. Yeah. Uh, that's the hope. Yeah. I, um, I, I've told some people, um, especially I've got someone who is working on getting their real estate license right now. And I'm like, well, you know, I'll kind of, I'll help and mentor you a little bit. And she was asking a lot of home stuff. I said, you know, it's a people business. You got to yes. know stuff about homes, but it's people first. Yep. 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 Relationships are important for sure. Yep. Absolutely. So do you all have any tricks up there to unlock more inventory where, um, I, what I think about New York city is like most of the land is, is developed. You know, we, yeah. we've got places right now. I'm helping some people build right. in some places that had no houses. And that's just something that in real, that you can't do that in Manhattan. Right. Yeah. So the problem is there's very little land that's free and available. So if there's a building there, that means you need to buy it, knock it down, and build a new building. Right. Right, which makes the land more expensive. (laughs) (laughs) They have to buy it for one price, demolish it for another price, and then build it for some price that's not cheap. Right. Um, So, yeah, there's not a whole lot of land to go around. We're landlocked, right? So there's water that's kind of surrounding us from two different angles. So that is part of the, part of the, the reason New York is expensive is scarcity. Right. There's not enough land. There's not enough housing here for the amount of people that want to be here. Hmm. So it's tough. It's literally something the city is struggling with. Right. How to how to get over that? I, I was just in Boston a couple months ago, and Boston has a similar gripe: is that they're landlocked, right by a body of water, have amazing education, incredible employment, and very little land. Right. <laughs> so how do you keep you know, Bostonians in town and not get priced out by just the natural market of things where just the person with the most money buys out the next person. Right. You keep them in town by having sports teams that everyone hates, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, funny side note. So the re- I went to Boston for this real estate conference and the, uh, the mayor came to speak to us for breakfast. He comes in, he was like, and this is the day after the Celtics lost in the playoffs. He yep. came in and said, hey, guys, how you doing? He's like, we're a little down in the city right now. Um, the Celtics lost last night. We haven't had a parade in about four months. We were all just <laughs> oh, like, shit. this guy. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. Get him out of here. <laughs> four months. This oh, guy. Gosh. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> Well, cool. Well, before we go, I would love to ask if we are the both Malachi and I are both aspiring investors, pretty close to jumping into some stuff here. I've been talking to people, going to some meetups, doing, you know, some analyzing. What advice would you give to some aspiring investors? 
So I thought I was just thinking about this morning. It's fresh in my mind. And I heard a developer tell me this once too. If you develop slash invest with somebody, it is very similar to a marriage. So marriage is a legal contract, right? Here's Mm -hmm. a document. We're doing this together. We agree on certain principles. We're not going to break some principles. And we're going to stick through it in good times and bad times. <laughs> right? We're not just going to jump out of this when things get bad because there's ramifications for that. Right. Um, doing an investment, you got to be very sure about the folks you're investing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and having the confidence that when you do this with them, you know, if and when things go bad or turn south or don't go as planned, that you guys have the same thought pattern, wavelength, belief in how to deal with adversity. A bunch of that was tested when the market crashed. I heard of builders, yeah. split, builders splitting, guys going to their house, they're gone, they're in Florida, never to be heard from again, leaving uh, the other guy with his hands full of right. debt and filing bankruptcy. So that's uh, Right, so not having the same uh, goals. Um, for example, you know, somebody marrying somebody for money, right? Mm-hmm. And then trying to leave them and take the money, right? Not having the same goal. Like, no, I wanted to do this for love because I love you and I want to be married and I want to do this long term. <laughs> same thing with investing, like doing investment with somebody <laughs> where somebody might say, oh, it's gone left, so I can jump out now and take my money and not get the losses. Right. But the other person's left in this bad financial you know, yeah. ruin. So I will say for new investors, for you guys and for your listeners, you know, just make sure you do your homework. Make sure you understand. Make sure you've built that relationship with the people you're investing with, because um, investing is, you know, a long-term financial relationship. Right. It's good advice. It makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, what about for analyzing deals? That's the one thing that you know you like. Um, I'll be like, okay, well, look, this looks like it could be a really good buy. Well, so does right. this one, but they're different. Fair. Um, I say the, the most important part is if you can figure out the land costs slash the building costs, what is the building really worth to you? Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a few ways of doing that. And there's a number of ways to do it that we can't really cover in the podcast, but you can figure out what is the land worth today? If I do nothing else, if I bought it right now today, could I sell it to somebody for the same price or more, right? Maybe I'm buying into a steal that they're selling to me at a discount. Right. And I just buy it and I just hold it. Maybe there's some appreciation. I can sell it for more. Then there's, let me buy it. If I do an improvement, can mm-hmm. I sell it for much more than that? Mm-hmm. Like buying a piece of land, building a house for 30000 and then selling that house for 100000 right? Mm-hmm. Can I add value that the backside would be much higher than what I go in. Right. Um, and then one thing I think in America we have to worry about, and this is actually a big thing. I was going to post it on my social media. America is running into this liquidity issue that there's not enough people on the backside. So there's cities like Gary, Indiana, where a third of the city is vacant. Oh, I got you. Yeah. So then it's not even a matter of how much the land is worth. It's a matter of, are there even people there to buy it? Right. What if a factory closes? Is this still a good idea? 
Right. Which oh. has hurt a lot of cities in America, in particular the Midwest has been hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Where if I do this investment one year, two years from now, if that factory closes, will there be enough investors? Will there be enough people to purchase this from me? Or will I be stuck with it? Which is what mm-hmm. happened to a lot of people in 2007, 8, 9, is that you did the investment, but you couldn't get out of it. Right. No matter what the price was, there's just no yeah. market for it. Huh. So I'd say if you're looking at investment, that's a good place to start. How much is yeah, the land? Lord. Can I sell it to somebody else? And then on the backside, are there enough investors to buy this from me? Right. Or rent it from me? Are there people to rent it from me? Right. Makes sense. Well, cool. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. This was awesome. Um, we really appreciate it. Hey, hold on, and... hold on. What about the? Do you write some books? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> don't nice. don't, don't get off here without that. without thank plugging you, yourself you, here. You. <laughs> folks can uh, folks can check out my books. My name is Gerard Delane. J E R R O D. Last name D E L A I N E. Um, on uh, Amazon, I got a couple books on there. One is called Real Estate Development Process. So, nice. like, how do you do it? Um, I have another book on affordable housing. Like, what is it? Um, so, you know, I teach at wonderful universities, um, but I know a lot of people in the masses can't necessarily expend, can't necessarily afford to go to expensive universities, but they still need the knowledge too. Right. For sure. So, I've wrote a couple of books for that purpose to help get the information out there to the masses. Yeah, I like it, and we'll we'll post the links when we uh, when we Thank publish you. this too. Thank That's you. very cool. Yeah. Okay, now we can wrap it up. Shut her down. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Make cool. sure you well, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we appreciate it. And we'll uh, we'll keep checking in with you. Try to stay cool. I guess yeah, I'll, try. Awesome, huh? I'll try. I'll try. Yeah. Thanks All for right, your time, guys. man. Take appreciate care. it. Thanks. See you. Wow, that was some interesting stuff. That guy knows a lot about real estate. That was great. Yes. Uh, you know they're 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 dealing with housing shortages. Uh, we are. It's a national trend. It's not just well. What's cool is to hear somebody else's perspective. Our show is mainly local. I mean, we we talk about stuff in other states, cities, whatever. But rarely do we get somebody in here that actually is living somewhere in totally different than Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, so here to hear his perspective on shortages and all that good stuff, uh, it's kind of neat. So you you got well, an article I, about the low yeah. inventory. It's nationwide, coast to coast. Yeah, it, Realtor Magazine, which serves the country, um, had a big um, – they had an article that talks about the housing shortage, putting it into perspective, talking about why, and then even some things that that realtors can do to, to help. Mm. Um, so it's talking about um, new construction has failed to keep pace. Um, last two months, I heard on the news had, that the last two months it's down. Really? Yep, they said on the news well, th- yesterday. This says the 50-year annual average is 1.6 million units, and mm-hmm. starts will be, uh, I guess that's per year, 1.3 million 2019, so down nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, the median age of a U.S. home is 37 years. Okay. Um, and so over half of owner-occupied homes were built before 1980. So that means some of the really old homes that haven't really been well taken care of are starting to come out of circulation. So mm. you need new ones to replace it, but that's right. down. 
there's a Man. demographic shift. Now there's 73 million millennials compared to 72 million baby boomers. Hmm. And you start to wonder all the articles we've been reading for the last five or six, seven years that talk about millennials don't want to buy new homes. Like they want condos, they want apartments. Like if all that's going to start to right. come to fruition and play itself out. Okay, go ahead. Yep. So. And then, then it's saying um, homeowner tenure grows. So people are staying in homes longer. And that's where you see um, the low end of the market be, having a lot of people trying to get into it and the higher price points not selling. People are staying in that house longer and they're not moving up. Mm. Um, you know, I, I have, I think there's several factors at play there. And then uh, during the housing crisis, a lot of investors snatched up single family homes and foreclosures and they're rentals now. Yep, I listened to, um, what's his name, um, Delman on 840. He was talking about, he's a big investor guy. Um, he said that they're seeing major companies from like from New York, other big companies, going into smaller markets, you know, like Wolf or whatever, and buying them in bulk, like buying 20, 30, 50, 100, 100 units at once. And then... Wow. Yeah, and then flipping them. They said flipping is becoming a big, like, I know it's risky or whatever, but they're paying local people to do their work and stuff. But uh, I listened on the radio last Saturday, but uh, they were talking like local people don't like that. Like, they, you know, it sounds good on the market because, bam, 20 or 100 homes were just sold. But in the end game, company up in New York is the one that's making the money, and that money is not affecting our local economy. So uh, there's just so many different global economics you can look at from – from different angles, like if it's good, if it's bad, blah, blah, you know, uh, that's not stuff that we typically, like, I don't typically, that's not my normal conversations I'm having right. daily, but, uh, I mean, well, it affects us on well, a local market. I also, yeah, and um, I think the, the countrywide trend that we're seeing, too, that is affecting that move-up buyer is if you look at cost of living, as it rises, um, wages aren't keeping up with that. Mm-hmm. So, People are re- reaching a certain point, and then the the wage is not keeping up with what they need to do with a lot of people that that are move up buyers. And so. lenders are more cautious, like you know the yes. when the bubble burst used to. What they say, if you had a pulse, you could get a house. Uh, yeah. Now things are a little more. Not it's not quite as wild west as it used to be. I don't know. Have you ever right. seen um, what's that movie? Uh, the Big Short. No. Oh my god, dude! I've seen it twenty times. You gotta watch it, especially in our. You need to watch it. It's crazy. Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to watch it today. No, uh, it's got Steve Carell, (laughs) Brad Pitt. It's a good movie. Uh, You'd like it. But anyways, um, so that's the what you you got. One more. Um, That's the Realtor magazine about nationwide. So it's not just us. um, This dovetails a little bit with the. It's a uh, Fox Business article saying that Americans are starting to favor real estate over stocks for long-term investment. Um, I can't talk, that's kind of what I was they, talking Yeah. Um, yes. Investing they side. break it down um, kind of age-wise, and the, the younger you get, the more people, millennials especially, are higher on real estate than any other age group. Well, you and I, so we've been I talking think, about this the last few shows. We're discussing taking yeah. the plunge, you know, jumping in. Yep. So we'll let... We'll let you know how it goes, folks. <laughs> like we're sitting here talking yeah, about definitely. other people doing it. Like, well, let's just see how this plays out. But uh, yeah, 
and they broke it down. It wasn't just stocks versus real estate. There was uh, cash, precious metals, and then at the bottom was cryptocurrency. And, and of course, that's millennials thinking cryptocurrency, you know, not Nobody as many baby is, boomers saying. No, but they're not talking about that shit. No. <laughs> no. And they, oh, there's been that new Libra stuff, Facebook. Yeah. I, I started own. looking into that the other day. Did you? I don't, Facebook after, money. After the things went with uh, Bitcoin, I don't know. But what's crazy is certain people knew about that. When I was taking classes like two years ago, uh, the teacher was telling me, he was a big tech guru guy. He was like, well, y'all know about Bitcoin. We we're like, never even heard that word before. You need to buy some right now. You need to get it. And he had Bitcoin like three years ago. So I don't even know what wow. he ended up making off of well, it. He was probably I sold buying a house. It. A, um, That's right. Your guy was I, I all cash. It, I think it was last year. I sold Bitcoin a pretty expensive money. house, all cash. And he said a lot of it came from Bitcoin. That's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll hang out. The senators and stuff are going after Zuckerberg and all them, so because of security reasons. So I'll see how this all, yeah, unfolds, definitely. Uh, if it, and, and all that stuff so young, relatively. Well, the guy on the uh, on eight forty he the other day he said, think about this, if his example was the landscaper. He said he said think about if you paid your landscaper cash, you give him five hundred bucks or whatever, and he wanted and his mom lives in I forget what country he was. Way El Salvador or whatever. Well, just uh, Argentina. Say, I forget what country he used, but he said for him to get her that money, he's got to go to Western Union, sign it over, pay fees or whatever. Now she's got to get in her car, go to another Western Union, sign up, pay fees, pay money, and then go all this. He said, now, he said, what if you slide your guy the Facebook money, Libra or whatever, bam, he gets it in his phone, he goes out in his car, bam, sends it to his mom. Ten minutes later, she's at the grocery store, like, using Dang. it. Like that, when he said that, I was like, oh my God, that is just crazy talk. Like, that yeah. you can, it can happen that quick. So, that has advantages. I mean, like, that's crazy. Uh, no fees. That's what he said. He said, no fees, no nothing. Like, she, she holds the phone up to the teller. She scans it. Bam. I'm like, man, that's kind of mind blowing. But uh, that's the world we live in. Yeah, it is. The world's but, changing. But yeah, we, uh, let's come full circle. So, we, we had our, our interview from our guest from New York City. I know somebody that just went to New York. If anybody follows you on Facebook, you were up there for what a week, week and a half, or something yeah, like that. Well, so no, tell we, me, it was like it was like five days. All right, what's and, up with it? Was it fun? It was like amazing. It? Did you pay um, that photographer? Is that what that was? Yeah, we we found a a New York photographer through a service uh, that hooks you up, and you look through people's portfolios, and you say, "I like this guy," and you contact them, and we met them. We had some professional photographers down there in Brooklyn Those under the Brooklyn cool. Bridge. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. My my 14-year-old son managed to smile at some point, I think. Right there, you're winning. You're winning. Yes. <laughs> but we uh we did typical New York stuff, which was, you know, the reason to go. Do you eat a hot um, dog? Hot dog. I didn't need a hot dog. Yeah, okay. Oh, come on. You got one of those ones from the uh, roadside. Oh, did you? All right, well, that, that yeah. works. Pizza Where all did you go? We, we uh, we went up in uh, the Rockefeller Center, saw the city that way, which was nice. super cool. Um, and the you know the plaza is right there, and that's where the, the ice skating. Isn't where Jimmy Fallon records the show? The Rockefeller yes, Center. Nice, yep. that's cool. I did not see Jimmy Fallon. Oh, that sucks. 
Yeah. <laughs> we saw Central Park and, and a bunch of cool stuff in there. Um, we hit a couple of cool stores that the kids like, you know, FAO Schwartz and the Lego store. Mm. We went to a Broadway show. Um, we were staying right in Times Square, which was really cool. Damn, that is cool. Uh, yeah. There are a lot of people there. That's just a, a checklist thing, right? Just to go there and yeah. see Times Square. It was, it was uh, cool. We went to the wax museum with all the the wax people in it. That was pretty cool. Nice. Celebrities and stuff. Did you see any real ones walking around? <laughs> I don't think I did. No. Man. Yeah, I've never been that far. I think Chris, uh, she wants to go up there. I've never... I've never went up there. It was cool. We went and did the Statue of Liberty, which was... Uh, did you? Yeah, that was super. We didn't go up in it, um, oh. but we we hung out at the base and went to Ellis Island and, and took some pictures, and, nice. and it, that was super cool. It is cool. Yeah. Well, that's fun. And while you were there, we went to Chicago for... Ours was, ours was only like a... It ended up being like a four-day overall trip, but it was just a two-day trip to Chicago. We left uh, the night before and went and stayed with some of her family in Indianapolis, got up the next day, and then finished up to Chicago. And then Troy and I had, uh, it was a two-day training seminar for our business that we're getting ready to launch, the window treatment stuff, blind shades and shutters. I'll be plugging the hell out of that once we get up and rolling. So, yeah, uh, we'll, but we'll, meantime, we'll give you some space for that for sure. In the meantime, no, we went up there for that two days, and then Carissa and Shauna, Chris has family up there too. So they took Landon and Scarlett and they went to the zoo one day while we were in training. And then where'd they go the, the first day? Hell, I can't remember. They went and ran around all day while me and Troy were sitting in a classroom. So, um, but we did, we got, uh, I'm trying to think what the name of the, uh, I put, I put a bunch of the photos and stuff on Facebook. Chicago's known for their hot dogs too. We got the, Portillo's hot dog. Nice. That's like something you got to do when you go up there or whatever. And I put a pickle on my hot dog. That's weird, but I did that. <laughs> so um, that's a touristy thing. But um, it was fun. We went and thought we were going to go swimming in the Great Lakes. So we walked, you know, we went to the beach in downtown Chicago to Lake Michigan and realized that the water was just above the freezing point. Yeah. So we got about ankle deep. That sucked. We <laughs> had a beach day in New York City, too, and we got out to the water, and my kids were playing in the water. They're like, come on, Dad. So I go uh, feel it. I was like, this literally feels like a cup of ice water. Yeah, no thanks. Oh, there was all kinds of people around us just swimming like it was nothing. And I'm like, and there was like a 80-mile-per-hour wind coming off of that cold water. <laughs> and our plans changed because we were going to play. We were planning on hanging out there for like, five or six hours like we're going to sit by the beach on the beach and, and by the water and once we all walked out there we were there for maybe an hour like i don't know we loaded back up and got the hell out of there but i can you know we can check it off the the bucket list yeah but um anyways best thing about the trip was we went to bob chen's did, did you see the crab legs on facebook i put i did yeah those are supposedly if you watch the deadliest catch the crabs that they catch up in Alaska. Supposedly he has them flown in like every other day fresh. I don't know if it's true or not, if it's a rumor, but they're the biggest crab legs you will ever eat in your entire life. And they nice. are unbelievable. Like I think about that place often. It just, it just, <laughs> it just pops into my head. The, so that's the second time we've been there. My God, it is, it is unbelievable. Nice. Yeah. 
So that's those are two our two trips, mine, yours, and the fam's. Yeah, and uh, a lot of stuff's uh, gone on. Uh, yeah, since the last podcast, yep. the um, the United States women won the World Cup. Yep. Um, I I'm a big soccer fan, especially at the international level. I would rather watch our women than our men at this point. They are absolutely thrilling to watch. Well, they didn't just win; like, didn't they like, kick everybody's ass? I think. Like, well, uh, they had a couple <laughs> closer games later. But they had one; it was like thirteen to zero, and yeah, that, I think they took some heat over that. But they did. That's you know, do your Stop best. Stop us! <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep them from scoring, especially on that level. Yeah, if you don't like it, well. Stop us. That's right. Yeah, um, uh, unfortunately, we're in that sports doldrum right now. The only thing going on right now on my end is golf. Um, the British Open, or now they just call it the Open. Uh, it's going on right now. But, you know, they, they start airing it at like 2 in the morning or something. Like It's, oh. it's, live, it's live at 2 a.m. And, and then... But at 2 a.m. they're showing like the guys that you don't really know their name. And then right. you wake up at the Tigers playing at 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. It's weird. Like, it's just, you know, it's a weird way to watch golf is drinking coffee and watching live a major. But right. <laughs> but other than that. Well, baseball's going on. And I yeah. used to be a big baseball fan. Shit, so was I. I really was. Um, you know, I have the entire 1987 top set, but I didn't buy it. It's put together from everything I had. No way. Yeah. I have some sets that haven't ever been opened, like, the, you know, bought in plastic. and Upper deck. Hell yeah. 1989. That's an investment. So hopefully here in like 20 or 30 more years now I can, you know, add that to my portfolio. That's right. <laughs> That's got the Ken Griffey rookie card. In hopefully. It. Yeah. Hopefully something's <laughs> in there. Good. I got a bunch of those. No, I used to be big into baseball, like, but anymore. I just, uh, I don't watch much of it anymore. Uh, we like the home run derby. Chris, we like watching the all-star stuff. But other than that, I don't watch yeah. it. If, there, if there's, if there's literally... Nothing else on. I might put it on TV while I'm on my iPad or something, but I just yeah. don't. I don't watch it. Like, but that's everybody. They're saying baseball numbers are like way down. I would think so. We went uh, last year. My dad and uh, brother-in-law and younger son went up to a Reds game, and that was super fun. I've go. I like going. Okay, so yeah, as far as baseball goes, yeah. we like going to the bats games. Like we we like yeah, going. Bats is cool. Drinking and, some beer, watching the. All that right. stadium is awesome. Yeah. So that, we still do that once, at least once a year, sometimes twice. But no, um, but I don't think I've ever been to a, a Cincinnati Reds game. I don't think I've ever been to a major, I'm trying to think, but I guess not because I'm sure if I went in my childhood, it would definitely stick out. So yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> we have some Chicago family, and we used to go up once a year, and we went to the Wrigley a few times. And we, That's cool. I was a Cincinnati fan, and we would go – Labor Day weekend and Cincinnati yes. would be in Chicago. That's nice. In Wrigley, that was cool. That's the way to do it. Time it just right. Go to an iconic venue like that and watch your team play. That's yeah, that's, it was that's, super. That's cool. the best way to do it. Um, well, um, I know we're getting towards the end. I wanted to tell. I know we t- I teased this before we even got on my trampoline story. So yes, let me tell you this before we get to anything else. I had uh, our trampoline's mangled right now. It was brand new six months ago, and now it's within a four-day period or five-day period. Storm picked it up twice and launched it. Oh my gosh! Um, and we have the the little net around the top and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Uh, the first time it went, it wasn't too bad. My neighbor 
text. This is a scary text when you get from your neighbor. What'd you do with your trampoline? <laughs> Carissa was like, she showed me the text. She's like, what is she talking about? I was like, I don't know. I'm like, what is she talking about? Where the hell is our trampoline at? That's a scary. I, I put it between some trees, hoping that it would like box it in. And for the most part it does, but the storms usually come from 90% of the time. They come from one direction. Well, just for this five day period, it came from the other way, which is just awesome because yeah. it, it twice it picked it up, spun it through the trees and put it on top of my fire pit. No big deal. We rolled it back over. Yeah. Bent a couple things. Well, then the second time, uh, the the neighbors, I took Chris and told her, my big fear is the wind's going to pick it up and throw it on somebody's car down below us or yeah. on the roof. And then I'm in all kinds of trouble. So, um, so anyways, a couple days later, three, four, four day, five days later, Lindsay texts Chris and said, you know, we're watching your trampoline dancing back there again. Like it's, it's, it was like moving around a little bit or whatever. And the storm that was hitting, you couldn't even see our front window. It was so dark. Like we were, we had our sh shutters open just staring out the front window and couldn't even see the house across the street from us. Well, that storm came through and while we were watching TV, Lindsay and them, Lindsay and Jeff, hopefully they're listening to this. I appreciate what y'all did, but they went and got the trampoline, the little trampoline blew it again up into the woods and all that stuff. They went and got it. And moved it while me and Carissa were on the couch. They couldn't see our trip. Like our house was blocking our vehicle, so they thought we were gone. Dang. And she thought that, like, you know, it was going to blow and hit. Some, they knew how concerned we were that it was going to hit somebody's house. So, out of the, you know, the kindness of their, they went and picked it up in the piss pouring rain while me and Chris were watching TV. She texted her and said, We got your old trampoline back over. And we're like, What are you talking about? So, we go look out in the back, and at this point, it's really mangled. Like it's, it's beat up pretty good. And she, she was like, we're home. And she's like, Oh my God, we've been in your, so like we're watching TV They're in our backyard, <laughs> fighting the storm, pushing our trampoline back up to where it's supposed to be standing up and all this. And we're 30 feet away watching, watching the oh Jay Cardosi about how bad the storms were. So, uh, I appreciate what they did, but, uh, I'm like, that's like something out of a, t a comedy. We're watching TV and my neighbors are out. <laughs> wrestling my trampoline to get it back over in the yard and all that but no um i might have to get a new trampoline i don't know uh i don't like them anyway because kids get hurt all the time but uh, yeah i'm gonna have to fix this one but that was my, uh, it yeah. may be funnier to me than it was anybody else but just the thought of them well i'm picturing you all just hanging out watching tv and on the other side of the wall the dirty work you owe them dinner i think i don't own something you know <laughs> Just like I owe you for that closing, but <laughs> that's right. We'll save that one for another show. Yeah, uh, that could be a whole show that day. Good lord. Oh, that was interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll, we'll save that one for the next podcast. Yeah. Uh, one thing I before we wrap up here, I want to um, talk about a contest that I've got going. Uh, I've been doing some market updates monthly on Facebook, doing some Those videos. Those are cool. I like them. Thank you. Yeah. Well, part of that I've been doing them on location somewhere, and then offering a gift card to where I am if you comment yeah. on the video. So we did, um, I did Mexico State Tacos this last time. This yep. place is fire. So go find it. It's on Facebook. Just comment on the post and to win a gift card from there. Just okay. gave away a gift card to uh, Life Bar, uh, Smoothie Bar, um, for the June update. So you may have seen that video as well. We can review that Taco Luchador for our next one. Oh, yes, we can. Because you and I will be there Monday. So um, I've heard good stuff about that place, too. I have, too. So I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Yeah. 
Well, that's right. cool. So that can give, that can be kind of a review on this show as well as a review on your other thing you got going. So that's right. Two Maybe birds. I'll shoot a market update. Yeah, two birds with one stone. That's right. There. So, um, all right. Well, let's wrap this bad boy up. Thanks yeah. to our listeners for yeah for joining us and hanging out for an extra week or so for everything I had going on. We'll get back on schedule. And um, we already have a guest lined up for two shows from now, and we'll work on the next show. Because yep. I mean, guests are, you and I found out, I like having guests on here, so we'll just keep it going. It's fun. Yep. Uh, that's, I mean, I think that's about all I have. You got anything else over there? Nah, that's it. Thanks, all right, uh, cool. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Yep, talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Talk About Town. Don't forget to like and follow us on social media. Our music was composed by Andrew Codeman. Make sure to join us next time. Malachi Hadley and Neil Cox are realtors with Smith & Wilson Realty.